What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Bless. I'm here with my co-host, Let Me Know. And you are locked into the Moment of Truth podcast. This week, we have a very special guest. A friend of mine. A friend of ours. An overall interesting character. A gem in the scene of hip-hop here in Montreal and Quebec as general. In general. Sorry. <laughs> Big round of applause for the homie Los. Founder of Joyride Records. Very excited to have you here. Thank you what? for coming, my brother. Thanks for having me, bro. Um, why don't you give everybody uh, who might not be familiar with Joyride yet, if you're not familiar yet, you will be familiar very shortly. Um, what is it that you do? Joyride's been in the game for 10 years now, actually. But we, we rebranded the company two years ago. It used to be called Silence Law. So basically a rap label established in Montreal. And we produce mostly French rap out of Montreal. Nice. So it's really like, you know, there's, you know, there's a Canadian scene, but within Canada, there's a fucking French rap scene, which is even bigger, I think. Of course. We'd have to compare the numbers, but it's, it's something important here in, the, in this province. And yeah, we've been doing it for 10 years now, you know, producing French records. French hip hop. Yeah, French hip hop. Yeah. So Joyride Records, when did you uh, originally, uh, when was your label founded, Sealand Store? Uh, March two thousand and nine. Yeah, so it's gonna be ten years. Wow. Actually, we were putting on a party, and you gotta you gotta be there because you know our parties are crazy, man. You know that. I'll be there in the uh, in the full uh, the expos uh, Yuppie, the uh, mascot. I'll be there dressed <laughs> as the expos mascot with all my gold chains, Your bottles, on, yeah, yeah, with a machine cool, yeah. gun <laughs> and a bottle of henny. R.I.P. Guru. I'll be drinking the henny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't. I, I haven't been drinking hard alcohol uh, in the last couple months, but that's a whole other story. Yeah. So um, originally we met. To a good friend of ours. Shout out my man Patro yeah. from 16 Pads Films. You're right. We met, the, yeah, exactly. We yeah. met, uh, they brought this gentleman uh, by my studio, and uh, 16 Pads is in the same building. Yeah, yeah. And we would always, you know, chop it up and, you know, talk hip hop and shit. And um, I've watched him grow his vision and his label, and I'm so proud of him and i want to congratulate you Thanks, um on the on the recent um and the continued you know mm -hmm. success mm -hmm. that you've got that you guys have had um you know as a label is joyride um again uh i would say uh, an artist that's getting a lot of attention uh here in quebec and in france as well yep, yep. uh is loud mm -hmm. um you know who i know you've been dedicating a lot of your time and energy uh into why don't you talk to us more about his project yeah the project kind of it became a life a little, you know, like, I bet. Uh, you know, when you, you spend 20, yeah, it's 24 seven thing, you know, like when an arty, artist like that, you know, starts just like, you know, creating so much work for the entire team and everything, everybody's working on one project. It becomes a little crazy because you, you want to put a, everything you have, you have and make it work, but then you have all these other artists as well that you have to, you know, keep, you know, giving, showing love to. So it just imposed a new, you know, a new rhythm in terms of you know us being a company, being but have to step there. Yeah, exactly, and you know bringing in new people and finding a way to to be more productive. Because at Absolutely. the end of the day, when at the end of the day, when there's so much work to be done with one artist, but you have all these other artists that are doing good as well, you don't want to forget about them, you know. So it, it just became crazy, but it it's just a great fucking thing to be in, and like right now, it's it's, it's a good kind of crazy. It's a productive it, yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. 
Well, I could tell that you're definitely somebody who's obviously like myself and, and, and like my co-host Lemmy. Obviously, you grew up on hip-hop. Yeah. You're very passionate about the culture. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody dives into this game if they're not, you know, if it's not a passion. For you, <laughs> yeah. where did you start? Uh, what was some of your early inspirations when it comes to the, you know, to the culture of hip-hop and all that? You know, I'm a West Coast type. I always mm. love the West Coast sound. And ever since, I think it was probably because of the Chica Chicano sound. Because mm -hmm. uh, I started listening to hip hop in 1988, something like that. And the first records that I heard were the Chicano rap scene. You know, Frost, uh, Mellow Manace, all that Kid shit. Frost. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. So my, I, my I sister, my sister who doesn't even listen to rap no more, but she, she introduced me to the, to, the, to the rap game. And for some reason, I always was attracted to the West Coast song. Nice. And, you know, if you think about it, like the West Coast had this different approach to promoting rap mm -hmm. because it, it didn't have all the majors. It was very regional the way exactly. they were. Exactly. And out of the, the out of the trunk thing. And so it was always a, being independent was the culture there. Of course. Um, in the East, you have all the you had the, all the major labels and stuff mm -hmm. that were creating all the business. But in the West Coast it was a little bit more like pockets and exactly. even and you know i think like they had you know really great demographics for like regional mm -hmm. success totally because california as we all know big gang culture yeah and very you know even within the prison system um very racially divided mm -hmm. so i think that might have set a tone and correct me if i'm wrong for people to really take pride in repping their hood Totally, and, you know and, I mean? and it created they created their own market in a way. You know? Whereas on the East Coast, everybody wanted to be associated and affiliated to a big movement, right? And a big right. machine, yep. you know. Where a lot of the West Coast guys like Mac Ten, uh, E Forty, mm -hmm. Too Short. I mean, these guys really laid the blueprint yep. for what the game kind of became pre-social media. Yep, Tech Nine. You know, there were artists, I remember going to the West Coast just, you know, on vacation as a child, like as at like maybe 13 years old and, and seeing all these artists huge over there that we would never even hear their stuff here. And I wouldn't have even known about them if it wasn't for the back of the source magazine. Yeah, well, I used to read Murder Dog <laughs> magazine. That was Murder Dog. That was, that was my shit. And Rap Pages as well. Rap Pages. Soon to get an article in Rap, Rap Pages. Page. Rap Pages was the, the shit back then. And yeah. yeah, and that's how I learned the business, actually. Yeah. Reading all these magazines and, you know, all these rappers that were also businessmen that were talking, you know, how they were doing that shit all the and time. And they had no choice to, but to become entrepreneurs totally. because the labels weren't giving they weren't, them They had no shot. labels there. So they created their own shit and they, 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 they created this new business model that really inspired my vision when I started doing rap. So it was about, you know, trying to do it on our own. So that's why we, well, we had no choice here in Quebec anyway because there, there weren't any labels trying to sign any French Tell me rap acts, you know. <laughs> so Did you start as MC? Like as, as an MC or yeah, was it? Well, yeah, I rapped. You don't know that? I don't know that. Yeah. See, that's what I want to get rap. to. I used to rap, bro. I used to rap and I used to rap like this tongue twist shit like Bone Thugs. And, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you were, you were very on that Bone Thugs vibe. Yeah, uh, with the Chicano tongue twist thing as well. Nice. You know? Yeah. Did so, you like, uh, were you ever into Funk Dubious? And, uh, uh, yo, I used to fuck with and, Funk uh, Dubious. What's yeah. the cat that's in the wheelchair? Um, um, Latino hip-hop group. Uh, I keep thinking Delinquent Habits. Yeah. They were a big deal when they, I was they, young. Yeah, you they remember were that big group? Yeah, 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 but you know who yeah, I'm talking Realm, about? Right? Psycho Realm, There you there go. There you go. Yeah, yeah shout out so, Psycho Realm. There yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so that was the thing. The Chicano rap and all the... I was really into... 
Vallejos, the, you know, all, the, all, all the, the Bay Area rap, that was my shit. Northern Cali. Yeah. Um, the Norteños. E-40. Mac Dre, Mac Dre, rest in peace, was one of my favorites of all times, you know. That's and dope. their model was, you know, like, putting out, out a lot of records. That's right. Um, doing their own distribution and going out all out of the schools and, you know, selling out out of the trunk. And, and that's that what was, it's that about was, now. Yeah. So that inspired me as I, I remember being like 12 and being like, yo, I want to have a rap label and I want to, this is the model I want to go that's for. That's dope. Know? Yeah. That's dope. Well, yeah. you know what? Congratulations to you. You fucking that. did it, eh? Because yeah. you've definitely kind of done it, it <laughs> and you definitely did it yourself. I mean, I remember seeing you guys. Um, who are some of the other artists that you signed prior to Loud? Um, I'd have to say that Rhymes was the main guy for eight years straight. And I think everything we do now and we learn, uh, we own on it to rhymes because he's he's the one the first guy out of the uh, out of the label that kind of make made it big An in impact. Quebec, and we we learn everything with with rhymes, and Shashu as well because he's the first one that we actually toured outside of Quebec with. So that's that's the uh, producer, right? Yeah, exactly, DJ producer. Right. So Shash and Rhymes are really the guys that we like for years. We learned with these guys, and we it, it, it kind of like created the foundation for us to actually one day be being able to do what we do with loud right now because i always say like if loud uh, would have signed loud 10 years ago and you might have not like been that, prepared it would have crumbled what you need to it would have crumbled because it's, it's, hmm. it's you know we weren't ready for something like that 10 years ago you didn't have the infrastructure you didn't have the knowledge the knowledge the experience the way of you know like the, the one thing that i learned with with loud in the last year is this capacity of saying no sometimes Absolutely. You, know, like you spend your life trying to get yes, a yes from somebody, like, you know, when you negotiate stuff. And, and now it's the opposite. You got to learn how to say no. And that's really fucked up. Every opportunity is not a good opportunity. Yeah, exactly. And every opportunity is so not So we got to that point where we have to, to know how to say no sometimes. That's, can you give, can you give an example if you don't mind? You don't have to name any names. I'm just curious. Just saying no to big amounts of money sometimes for a show. <laughs> that it's, it's, it's crazy. You know, a huge guarantee, but it's, it's, it's just not the right fit. That's right. And, you know, you got to, like, analyze protect the, the stuff. Brand. Yeah. Protect it, the it brand. Yeah. Protect the brand. And, yeah, and, and you get a lot of, a lot of people want to, you know, just all the people that want to have uh, feet or whatever, you Absolutely. know, like, yeah, pro, that we get tons and tons of different Oh, yeah, that, that's endless. You know, it's funny you say that because when I was coming up, you know, people would constantly, especially the kind of, like, music that I do, it's very, like, you know, people want to, you know, you know, feature you on their mixtape for credibility or whatever mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i would say no to 70 percent of offers i got and i sure could have used the money and i would have loved to take it but yeah. i never wanted to put my name to something that would not represent my brand properly. just for money that's it and yeah. and and you know like if it was somebody like you and i loved your project i would do it for free mm -hmm. because i would think it would be a great fit for me yeah. so i would actually rather do things for free that propel my brand rather than getting a cheap little payday and it's not about you know we're not hippies you know us three we're all businessmen but it's about long-term longevity mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah. and, and that's probably how correct me if i'm wrong you were able to take uh, a very obscure french rap label in a in 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 a in a, in a city <laughs> in a province that's not known for hip-hop yeah I mean, business-wise, commercially, yeah, yeah. commercially anyways, hmm. and grown it organically into doing some of the healthiest numbers in the country, mm. especially independently. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, totally. really, I commend you on that. That's not easy. Uh, but I, I think 
Montreal is ready right now, like to to really have these rap guys making it big and what bigger. Um, because a lot of kids today that are really good, like guys that are in their early twenties, teens. I mean, I try to follow as best I can. Yeah. But there's a lot of talented there's dudes that are coming talent. out right now. That and the scene is the scene is mature enough right now to and it, it was bound to happen because it, it's you know this phenomenon we call rap. It's been a phenomenon for forty years. <laughs> um, <laughs> It was like that every all around the world, you know. Yeah. So and we we were, we were just late, like five, ten years late. But I, I think our problem was that we and I've said this many times in past episodes. We just lacked an infrastructure to be able to take advantage of those opportunities. Yeah. The same analogy you just said. Yeah, right. Had you signed uh, loud five years ago, you wouldn't have been able to handle what needed to be done. Mm -hmm. We never had those outlets available um, until now, mm -hmm. and that's something privately. That, you know, me and the homie Los, we talk about sometimes, you know what I mean? We've spoken about that numerous times, too. Yeah, you know, we and talk about... that's part about of this show, right? That it's... That, that, I mean, that's a major motivation for us building the platform. Mm -hmm. But we've even spoke, you know, privately, like, about, you know, it's, it's about creating an environment where there can be a movement that grows. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's definitely not about competing or going head to head, but everybody finally pu pooling their resources strategically so we can actually get this off the ground once exactly. and for all. Yeah. And uh, I would love for you to maybe talk to, you know, the people out there about how France has embraced you and what that's meant to, uh, to, to Loud's project. Yeah. That's the other big surprise. Cause they don't really do that normally, right? Like normally, it's, if it's Quebecois, that's considered like, and for people outside of Quebec that may not know this, like we're considered like the dirty French, right? Totally. They don't respect that. Like yeah. I remember back in the day, Sans Pression was like making moves and then they go Shout to France, SP. they wouldn't that's get that brother. same that same uh, welcoming that we would give because our French is considered like the Bobo French out there. 100%. And uh, I don't know, but I think it's... Most of the time when we discuss it with loud, especially like we, we think it's, um, you know, all this internet era that it, like there's no boundaries anymore. So yeah, the boundaries. Have kind yeah. Of so people away. discover music from all, uh, you know, very globally. So, and the first thing that happened in France and it started like two or three years ago, they actually started accepting rap from Belgium. Wow. Which they have the same opinion about it, right? Cause their accent, I mean, when, when we hear French people speak French and people from Belgium, we, we kind of like. The accent is the same, but it's not like yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They, they, they see the differences, yeah. right? So, uh, rap from Belgium was considered something weird as well in France for, for a long time. And there's a pretty big artist that were trying to make it into France, and French people just didn't accept it, right? right. And two, three why, years why ago, why do you think that is? Do you think France has like a vendetta against anyone that doesn't sound like them? It's well, you know, nah, it's, it's, it's the it's same a big thing country. that they export their, yeah, their, their it's like, music, it's like right? the states, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, to, to me, it used to feel weird to hear like British MCs with a British accent. If they didn't sound like they were like from New York or from the West Coast, it was mm -hmm. hard. Yeah. But now, interestingly enough, I, I think that's it's very swaggy. Like I like when I hear like that British accent rhyming on some heavy. I think it's yeah. cool. I think it's hip. Yeah, exactly. You know? But it was like the culture had the to culture had to yeah. So how did you how did you break those barriers? So I don't know. Like something happened with Lauda. The way like. Because there's a lot of, especially from Montreal, there's a lot of kids that sound French, um, and 
they, they have this accent that is really similar to what they have in France. Even their sound is really similar to what they have in France. But my opinion is that at one point there's so many there's so, there's so many rappers in France. You know, it's like the states. So why would they want something that sounds exactly the same as what they already have there? You know, right? They don't want to copy. They, want they don't want to copy because they, they're doing it better anyway, right? So I think with Loud, the one thing that made him like stand apart is that he's really different from everything else they have. You know. Um, the accent, but also the way he mixes English and French in a very Montreal way, which is really natural, right? It's not like you know that Franglais, the, yeah, the Franglais thing, right? And in, in France, they they're, they're trying to do they're trying to do it right now, like they copy out of Montreal a lot, yeah. But it's not natural. They don't they're doing it in a proper way, right? They so need some that, time to catch accent, up to us for Franglais, once. Sorry, they need some time to catch up for, uh, to us for once. That's cool. Totally, you're and setting a trend there. Yeah, they're totally they're to I'm, I'm, I've been saying it for years. Every time French artists come here. To perform and they meet the rap scene from Montreal. They go back to France with a little bit of our swag every mm. time, mm. every time. And so that thing, and I think just the production level. I mean, Loud is lucky to be working with some incredible producers, Rough Sound, Ajust. So the whole package was very unique, right? Uh, and you the know, visuals, the videos that we made, everything was unique, and I think it just. You know, the package maybe, was good. Yeah, the package. And was you good. know, I think the when the package is great, sometimes if the timing is right, magic can happen. And yeah. I guess, I guess in this case, the timing has been great, mm -hmm. and the package has been great. I mean, like you mentioned, Rough and Ajust, um, very talented. Yeah. Um, definitely, uh, you know, definitely ahead of the game when it comes to production. Um, you know, me and Ruff have, have, have worked a lot, uh, together recently. And I think that, you know, those, those guys were able maybe to give loud, a very polished sound production wise totally. and loud was able to kind of capture something that they weren't doing in France, mm -hmm. which brings maybe a uniquely North American vibe. And I think that has a lot to do with it, bless a uniquely North American Total. vibe. That's very exportable because it's French. And you know, that's why we start like when I start promoting loud, when we were shopping for, for a deal in France, um, I stopped introducing his rap like rap Québécois, you know? And I started using this new way of presenting it, and I started saying franco ricain hmm. you know? So we're the French people from North America. That's how I want to present it, but we are American. That's the important part, you know? And I think that's one of the things, the things that they really like because they feel like we're American, right? You're but branding it differently, and it's kind of like manipulating the words to give them like a, a sweeter taste. Right, yeah, it's easy. Exactly. It's easier to digest. Easier to digest. Plus, it 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 pinpoints what sets us apart from their thing. We're we're North American, right? Absolutely. And I think they really like that. And especially all around the world, people that listen to to rap in a way, what they're looking for is to try to grasp the North American feel. Yeah. And here in Montreal, we have that. Sure, you know, because I we're mean, we're six hours away from the from the, the source of everything, right? Six hours away from New York, six hours away from Toronto, which is you know crazy dominating charts. Um, a very interesting project and a mm -hmm. very unlikely project. Mm -hmm. um, let me ask you maybe a tougher question: What has been some of your biggest challenges as a young entrepreneur running your own company? What were some of your biggest challenges? Um, to get to where you guys and, are. And if I can add to that, to get to the level where you're comfortable to have an artist that's successful, that's able to do it, what did you learn along the way that maybe you can share with people that want to follow in your footsteps and have that behind-the-scenes presence and, and be an executive in the, in the uh, entertainment industry? Managing growth. That's mm. super, super... It's, it's, it's a very tricky moment 
because you feel like well first of all when something grows like that obviously the first thing that changes that, that changes is the revenues right you start getting all this money and you're if you don't control it the right way you can do some stupid stuff that will mm. make, make it crumble right absolutely so managing growth is really really tricky and it it's been it's been it's been hard because we have all these projects we have the money now we think oh maybe we should do this and that but maybe you it's not the right time yourself. maybe yeah exactly and you, when you have all this money you think about ideas that are maybe a little bit too risky mm -hmm. and it hasn't been long enough for us to be like yeah we've been doing this thing for this this type of money for 25 years so you yeah. know you, you're sitting on a real structure yeah right um you don't so, want to get you don't want to get carried away too quickly exactly exactly but you're tempted because you, you especially <laughs> when you're a passionate guy like myself you i want to do this i want to do that so you, you you try to do a lot of stuff and if you don't take your time you put yourself in a very dangerous position you could dilute yourself yeah you could pull you let, let yourself you know be pulled in too many directions why don't you talk about because i know as your friend a bit about your background what might have helped you learn how to you know manage financial growth and and scaling your business yeah. Where, what background did you come <laughs> from business-wise um well i I always was an A plus student, so that helped a lot from the from the get go. Like I've always been very organized and stuff. You're the first one ever to be on this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the polar fucking opposite. But like of like me. like I always say, like I got a diploma from the streets and I got a diploma from school. There you go. So, Respect, brother. And, it, and it's been like that all my life. So I think both things actually helped a lot because you know, like I understand where I'm from, like from the gutter, from Chile. We we left the country after the coup. Wow. so tell us about that talk yeah so that. basically you know I, I was born in edmonton you okay. know, did, did you know that i think you told me yeah last so time. I, I was born there but we moved back to chile when i was four mm -hmm. and in chile yeah we grew up in very fucked up neighborhoods so wow uh it's part of like those five years that i spent in chile as a kid i really like right the corner sort of my my persona i think mm -hmm. it made me a like this young little hustler and how old were you when you guys moved to canada we moved back to montreal when i was nine okay yeah and uh yeah from that point on like yeah i was always really really attracted to the streets and uh i think if it wasn't for school that i was really good at school and i actually because i played sports as well i would probably you know gone the wrong way mm -hmm. uh, but i was really good in school so i went to university and i studied marketing finance and law so wow i didn't i didn't know that yeah so i didn't do my i wanted to do the the, the, the full degree in, in law but i didn't like it so i stopped after 10 class 10 courses mm -hmm. and i did a cert certificate and after i moved to marketing and finance so you were you were you were working in the finance world out of out after university yeah exactly I, my, my sister studied finance and she brought me like this one summer i was like 24 i think and i was working at this shitty restaurant and i got into a fight with the owner it was a chilean restaurant so and Chilean guys are so I, anyway like I don't want to get into that but I got into a fight and from them I, I just left right and I was fucking huh? and I, I I left the store with the restaurant and my sister called me like yo do you want to do photocopy for $20 an hour like for, for how long like two hours and then she's like for a week and I, I was literally yeah. like coming out of the, the restaurant right no job so I'm like okay so I went there for for a week and they were so over like overloaded with work that the boss can't see me is like are you as intelligent as your sister <laughs> I'm like we're like no like but whatever and she's like yeah i think you are so you're your sister's assistant i said what the fuck so how, that's how i started working in finance wow yeah so doing photocopy and just went on and i 
ended up working there for 10 years, man. Oh, wow. So you must have learned a lot, you know, the working in the corporate side, yeah. which I'm sure was a tremendous, which I'm sure was a tremendous asset for you once you, you know, oh, wanted totally. to start your own company. Yeah, totally. Because, you know, working with millionaires like that, because we, we were like a, an invest, an investment firm. So you, you, the standard of, you know, like the quality, professionalism. Your, yeah, the professionalism is really important. So, yeah. That corporate 10 years really great intro. Me. Yeah. Also, the level of respect that you must have learned for money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Understanding, you know, like coming from, you know, a lot of us uh, in the music business came from backgrounds of, you know, no structure, um, you know, not much former schooling, not mm -hmm. everyone, but, yeah. you know, a lot of people that I grew up around and to yeah. a certain degree, even myself, you know, it was kind of like, you know, we were winging it. You know, we were learning on the cuff and, you know, it, you know, <laughs> either you right. fall off the cliff or you don't. Mm -hmm. And I came up around a lot of people who did. And, you know, luckily I didn't. Um, but, you know, I think that that's a tremendous asset that you, you know, might have been able to work in the corporate side for 10 years and then apply that structure and focus to your company is probably 100%. A, a it's major three lives. reason. It's three lives. He's lived three lives before he's even like halfway there. You know what I mean? Well, that's why you I had, you had yeah, the yeah, poor yeah. kid in Chile. That's why you had the student and now right. executive in the music industry. And that's yeah, why right. I wanted to have yeah. him on because I pick interesting <laughs> people. Right? Yeah, but so. those those ten years, you're totally right. Like every every day at work, I still think the way I was thinking when I was working for the firm, the financial firm, because they they they, they taught me the rules about being organized in a corporate world. That's it. And, and, you know, I think this is such an important discussion. And part of the reason we started this platform um, is I wanted to kind of pull the veil. I wanted to pull the curtain and let all these young cats that have <laughs> dreams of being in yeah. this business understand what it's really going to take and inspire them, but make an informed decision. If you really want to dedicate yourself be a guy like Los. Do your homework. Understand what it takes to run a business, to be a businessman, to be an entrepreneur. Not just thinking, you know, it's going to be all pop champagne and 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 live not. the rap life. And listen, yeah, yeah. listen, listen to the podcast because we're going to get guys who are going to tell us things that we might not know. <laughs> yeah, and right? definitely, you know, if you have if you have uh, you know any questions for Los. Um, please feel free to, you know, leave your comments and shit. And, you know, Loso definitely, you know, I, I have a question. be back on. Yeah. I, I just, I'm curious where that, that transition happened from the corporate side in back into music. Because normally what would happen is you're a street dude yeah. and then music and then maybe you make that change later on in life. What you did was kind of the like... Reversal. You, yeah, you, Yo. you, went, you went left and then right and then left again. You know what I mean? It's can a different I, can, route. Can it's I add on moms. to that question yeah. though? What was it like... Because it must have been a big leap of faith, mm, yeah. and it must have been very nerve-wracking mm. for you to give up a very solid career in the finance world yeah. after ten years to do some, you know, to to, to pursue your passion. Yeah, first that of takes. All, I guts. was making a lot of dough when I was working. That there. takes guts. Making so, so you're checks. taking a so, big step back to hopefully yeah. take a step forward. Totally, but it's all on my mom because I remember when I started working at the firm. I went to her place and she told me like I told her I wanted to do the label thing, blah blah. And she's like, you know what? I don't really get it. I don't know exactly what you need to do that type of thing, but it sounds expensive. <laughs> That's she told me. Rap music, whatever music, sounds expensive. It Here is. I think what you should do. I'm not blocking you. For, you know, parents they don't want you to do art. Right. It's, it's like you're wasting. You're gonna waste your life, right? 
but she 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 turned around and just presented in this very intelligent way instead uh -huh. of like blocking me or telling me not to do it but she's yo it sounds expensive i think you should use your degree find Make a good job paper. save money and then you do it in 10 years yeah. and it's, 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 it's mom. exactly what Shout i did because if, if it wasn't for that piece of advice because she told me exactly what i needed to hear because she was right yeah you it know, was very she, sound she, what, advice too because a lot of people delusionally jump into this business not understanding and this is something i always talk about and you could speak on this if you'd like to maybe better than most it takes a lot of fucking money to brave the storm and Crazy if you that, have dude. one or two minor successes you need to have a budget mm -hmm. to continue with that rhythm or else it just becomes a drop in, in Yo, the just ocean managing cash flow bro it's, it's crazy so so if you it, you know you could get the best feature or you could get one track that's bubbling at radio but if you don't have your ducks in a row and you don't have bullets for that gun you ain't going to war exactly you're gonna just fizzle out yeah, yeah. if you don't have your you know you don't have your shit lined up exactly so when she told me i was like I went back home and like, yeah, she's totally right. I don't have, I don't have the money to do this project, you know. Not I want to do, I want to do it, I want to do it, but I don't have it. So, either we sell coke, or we do stupid shit, or I do this beautiful plan that I have, you know, like I have the opportunity to be a, you know, in this position and working for a great, great firm. And like, that's I never said no. And she that's never said no. She never said no. And that's something I would love to talk about, like that. A lot of people, you know, from being fans of hip hop, yeah. think that. The street life is the only other avenue that could lead you mm. to, uh, you know, success in hip hop. Mm -hmm. And I think you're a great example of, you know, Dame Dash is an educated guy. Yeah. There are a lot of people who, you know, live and breathe hip hop and who didn't have to necessarily go the typical route that we always you yeah, know, yeah. hear about, mm -hmm. you know, that narrative. And I think a lot of people... Um, might cheat themselves by saying, you know, there's a lot of people who have duality. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Look at look at um, look at A Track. Mm -hmm. You know, he got a great education. Yep. He had a genuine talent and passion, and he killed it. Yeah. Uh, Dave One, his brother from Chromio. Yep. Shout out Chromio, another cat that I grew up with. Very intelligent. I believe he was teaching. I think it was at Columbia, at Columbia yeah. and then they continued doing their thing as a group. And, you know, I was always very inspired by both sides mm -hmm. of that coin, you know, yeah. and it's a very glamorous story that we hear, you know, Jay-Z came from the bottom, but, you know, he was one of the, the lucky ones. And yeah. he and you know the lucky one is a rare is is a rare thing. Yeah. It's not the rule. Ninety nine percent end up in a very tough spot and don't get a chance to get their vision off the ground. Yeah, well said. So that's something that I would love to inspire kids. Like it doesn't matter what path you take. It doesn't matter if you're a bookworm or a street dude. And there's nothing wrong with either. Yeah. Just be real to who you are. Totally. And be inspired by this passion that we all have for hip hop. And do it honestly and do it for the right reason. Because if you have 10 years in finance or 10 years in the street and you're willing to put that 10, 15 in the business of music, then anybody can make a dent if they go about it smart. Reach. You know what I'm saying? And that's I'm almost and, crying, bro. And yeah, like, been, like I want to give you a hug. True, though, no, bro. Totally, totally, but it's yeah. I want to give myself a hug because I'm somebody who's been in this game since I was a kid. Yeah. And the only reason I never stopped pursuing it, whether it was 
you know, starting a production company when I was young, um, you know, similar. I didn't have, I had so many doors closed to me that I had to do it myself. That's the only way I was yeah. able to get my first project out and to ever be heard, to being an artist, to being, uh, you know, uh, you know, booking, you know, shows for after hour clubs and mm -hmm. for festivals and for raves and all that stuff. I tried my hand at different things within the music business because I always wanted to stay close to it. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? And there was a lot of other projects that I could have done that could have been more lucrative or at least a quicker payout. Yep. But it was something that I always stuck to because it's a lifestyle. It is. And we do this because we fucking love it. Do I, shit for the right reason. I love my parents. I love basketball. And I love rap music. I'd say that's where it and is. You know what? I would say, and my brother. I would say your priorities are straight. Right? And shout out to your mom and shout out to your mom and shout mm -hmm. out to my mom who always told me you know, my folks never discouraged me from my dream, especially because I had a, I had a substantial amount of success at a young age. Yep. So people took my talent level serious right. and told my folks, yo, your son could probably make yep. a lot of money at this. But my mom was always, you know, wise enough to tell me, listen, I know you're great at this and you love this. And this is like who you are, but you need to branch out. Mm -hmm. And that's something, if I could be totally honest with everybody, mm -hmm. that I wish I would have done sooner. It's never too late to switch lanes. And that's kind of like when Lemmy and our producers had this idea, I was like, you know what? I don't even want to take credit. It, 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 it does. But when that first time we talked about just building an honest platform, yeah. I was like, what do we have to lose? It sounds like a fun project. Yep. And that's where it always starts being passionate about 100 percent, yeah but there was definitely times if in it's my not fun you, sh you shouldn't do it bro just right and, like that, yeah. and and more important than that if it's not fun and you're just looking for the payout mm -hmm. that payout yeah. will never yeah, come it's, it's the wrong reason yeah. right it's, success is a byproduct of being passionate enough about something that you become world class yeah. then the payout comes there's like that expression um he who does more than for what he is paid one day will be paid for more than he does. Mm. Oh, that's right. Nice right there. I always knowledge. Love, I don't know. I, I think I completely, you know, no, no, you, you nailed it. No, yeah. I did. Yeah. I did the mumble rap version of it, but <laughs> you guys get the idea. And you know, that was something that, you know, the three of us I'm sure have in common. We grew up as kids idolizing this hip hop shit, idolizing yeah. these big guys. And we set these, super high expectations of ourselves mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that we're not grinding hard enough or yeah. we don't we're not successful enough or we're not pushy enough if we're not getting this unrealistic level and of you success. have you have a point there because a lot of people think that the only way to feel successful in music is to be like one of these big top 10 guys in the world and being a millionaire and whatever i always tell my artists the ones i manage i tell them Guys, the first thing you want to do with this rap shit is to try to earn a living, right? Mm. So instead of being working, whatever you're doing, like uh, calling center, whatever, imagine just replacing that's so that Montreal, money. by the way. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you're either busboy or working yeah, in a call, yeah, center, a call center, or yeah. or you know the the other so, options. Well, you get a point. Like the first thing I'm telling is like forget the millions, just replace your shitty shitty job. Right. Imagine if you get the same amount of money by doing exactly what you, lo that's you it. love. That's by doing know? a hip hop night. By doing a night you host at a club, right there you're making you're, a five bills, performing twice a month, making a G, and whatever, whatever else, you exactly. know, exactly feeding your family, whatever, you're paying with, your with, rent with, with the music. That's I the first step. I actually did that reverse. 
I came out with Epic Mealtime and shit just all of a sudden, 7 million subscribers, billion views. And now it's like, backtrack, okay, make a living. You know what I mean? Make a living and be happy with what you're well, doing. Well, you basically did what every rapper does by mistake, it just which the is fuck up. if it blows up, they don't know how they got here. And when it declines, which we all know it does, they yeah. don't know how to get back there. Right. Mm-hmm. Or they don't know how to consistently coast. But yeah. then you find projects that are balanced with making a living. Well, you and hope- that's how you get yourself- Well, you hopefully right, right. do. And I think that, you know, I totally agree with you, Los, that- is it realistic that you're going to conquer all these massive milestones if you're not even feeding yourself from your art? It's not. So you got to start, so- start somewhere, somewhere. scalable yeah. Yeah. and build yourself up. And other, like, I think if you only aim, I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't aim for the top, but you need to be. Build a solid foundation. A solid foundation and, and being realistic at one point if, you know, like, there's more than just reaching for the number one spot that will make you happy. You know, oh man, and you, that's something you, you, we spoke you, you, you about. You can recently. be happy in the process. That's something and we if it spoke keeps about. Moving forward, good. But if it stay, it stays at a certain level that you actually have a life. You can pay for your shit, mm-hmm. be your family by doing exactly what you love. That right there should be. You're already enough. successful. Yeah, exactly. that's right. And if that is enough, and you already, if the process makes you feel fulfilled, you're already winning. Yeah. Right. Because the process in itself is where the ride happens. Life happens on your way to being born and passing away. Mm -hmm. It's not, oh, yo, I'm going to be a miserable fuck if I'm not doing Drake numbers. Exactly. I'm going to be miserable if I'm not making this much. Well, guess what happens? Your life passes you by. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you realize, damn, the best times of my life I ignored because I had this vision that nothing was ever going to be good enough right. if I didn't get there. So yeah. The journey is more important than the actual goal. Enjoy the process. And yeah, yeah. It, it, the journey of life, yes, but I mean in relation to the music, enjoy being in the studio with your boy who believes in you, with a guy like Carlos who dedicated years of his life to push you up mm-hmm. rather than having this you know, fake superstar mentality that a lot of people mm-hmm. in hip-hop adopted. Someone told me something recently, guys, and tell me if I'm wrong because... I, I just I think it sounds about right that if you have ten thousand loyal fans, mm. you can live comfortably off of your art. Now, well, whether paying that's fans, <laughs> paying yeah. fans, but that's, not but, loyal fans. But that's what I'm I'm saying is yeah. is fans that are like die hard. You put out a new clothing line or a T-shirt, they're gonna go, they're gonna buy that thing right away. Well, I mean, do the math. Yeah. If you could get ten dollars from ten thousand people, that's a hundred thousand dollars every yeah. time you put a tweet out yeah. or a post. I, I, I would say that's okay. I think that's the number. I, if someone told me that. that yeah, it's, I heard something like 10, that. Yeah. 10,000 is yeah. the number. And it makes a lot of sense. Well, you know who talks a lot about that? And everybody could go check this out just to, on like a little music business vibe. Um, Ryan Leslie mm-hmm. became fantastic uh, when it came to um, kind of cataloging um, his fans and followers. And he was able to create these little buckets of, you know, you know, the A data are people that'll pay, you know, 250 bucks to see him perform mm-hmm. privately. Yeah. The B are people who download his shit and who support him on it. And then the C are just like random followers like mm-hmm. everybody mm-hmm. has. But that, you know, he's on the grid. And he was developing, I think, an app to reach out to these people personalized from like mm. a Skype proxy number. Okay, well. Yeah, you guys should look that up. And I was really interested in what he was saying from like a data 
collection perspective, which mm-hmm. I'm sure is something that you can speak on. Yeah, you know, well, knowing that, your metrics. It's one of the most important things right now. Talk know? about that. And please. all these all these streaming platforms that were like the devil at first, right? They're they're actually they they prove the point, you know. Um, and one of the things that are really helpful with the data, the the, the streaming platforms, is the data they they provide. Yeah. You know. Um, Priceless, like, actually. Yeah, it's it's, it's you amazing. You know knowing, where to spend your marketing dollars. For one thing, you know where to go f- when you want you want a tour. Um, so everything is it's way more precise. And, and you know, from a from an independent labels perspective, I think that that is the hack. Mm-hmm. Why would you spend five thousand dollars targeting your posts to people in Philadelphia if nobody in Philadelphia streams your music? Mm-hmm. If 60% of Bless fans are look like they're in Toronto, you want to start your campaign in Toronto, roll it here, and then maybe grab your New York or you know whatever affiliate for a guy like myself. Yep. If Loud is big in Quebec, even if he's buzzing in France, you still want to concentrate those marketing dollars here because that's where you're going to get another 5,000, another 10,000 mm-hmm. loyal fans yep. who will buy his merch and who will buy those upsells. Yeah. So totally. it's priceless. So, well, it, it gives you the info on any, any idea you want to, like, marketing-wise. Because it, it can also, you know, it, it could be the, the opposite. I mean, if there's a city in the province that nobody listens to loud, maybe you should be investing a little bit more there. You Interesting. Know? Uh, especially because of this, you know, all this social media helps you through the viral thing. Um, if you have a big concentration of fans in, let's say, Montreal, um, maybe you don't need to spend that much in Montreal. You know? mm-hmm. But whatever you want to do, at the end of the day, all this info, information will help you come up with ideas, whether it's investing or not investing, right? 100%. And it's free data. So <laughs> we, use we, it. We, yeah, <laughs> use it. And you know, we used to pay for that shit before. You know? And it was really, really expensive. Um, Getting to know your market is really, it's a very expensive operation for any marketing company. Absolutely. And now through these platforms, Get yeah, we free. have these we insights and free. analytics. For I mean, free. you can type in your your Instagram handle. It'll tell you how many likes, how many this, how many that, and from what countries. Yeah. I remember. I, I spent uh, a lot of time uh, looking at the data. I spent a lot of time looking at the data. We, we did, back in the day, we did an episode um, when Seth Rogen was doing the uh, North Korea yeah. movie yeah we did an episode with seth rogan and james franco about the north korea movie that never hit the light of day it never it never came out that movie yeah. and we looked at our analytics from that month from that video and there was two views from north north korea north korea does not have youtube first of all it does not <laughs> exist there and that was 100 government and i made a joke with my friends we're on a list now like if we're anywhere in that area, <laughs> we're in trouble because like we pretty much like like we went in heavy in that episode. Might be wow, dangerous. Yeah, yeah, that's dangerous. the internet. So that's that's yeah. analytics. You know, that's at, the like, internet, the though. Degree. You you really never know who's watching. And Except was, in this case, right? Yeah, I'm like, exactly. I'm like, you know I'm like Kim Jong Un is watching my fucking video. <laughs> Yo, shout out Kim Jong. You know, no, what I'm saying? no, not swag, that. swag. Dennis Rodman. Shout out Dennis Rodman, maybe. Dennis, yeah, uh, he just started a podcast, Dennis Rodman. There you go. We got to get him on and talk about his show. Maybe. I'm willing to do his podcast. <laughs> right? Same here. I'll go on, on Dennis Robbins' show. Come on, show. let me. All right. Tell go. Dennis. Come on. <laughs> but um, no, but you know, like, I think that these are all tools that people uh, need to embrace because they're free. Oh, totally. yeah. They're priceless. And these are gems. I, I, I kind of think like I talk to people all the time who are enthusiasts or, you know, who, you know, want to be in this business. And, you know, like this can be a very overwhelming endeavor. You can get lost in the details. 
Yeah. You got to start somewhere. You got to set realistic expectations and kind of just, you know, knock them down one by one. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that obviously he who becomes good at that will be somewhat successful and he doesn't will just How long did it take you to find your lane? All my life, I think. <laughs> like, I'm always doubting everything we do, like in a good way, because you know you could be doubting in something that slows you in a way that's it slows you down. Absolutely. And, and you can also doubt in a way that it makes you better, right? And that's the second one is the one I I choose to you know to everything we do. Like, whenever I have a good idea, maybe it's not the best idea, you know. So and we we're always trying to you know be hundred percent certain that the lane we we're on right now it's the one, you know. But uh. It'll change in a year from now. It will be something different, and I think it's keep the best way to, to keep you know evolving all right. the time. It's good to pivot, but you want to you want to maybe swerve a little bit, but you never yeah. want to make a hard left exactly. or a hard right, yeah, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's it's funny. Me and Los have been kind of going back and forth for a while now yeah. about maybe you know putting our heads together and coming up with some creative things that you know we've been wanting to collaborate for a while, and really maybe consolidating some things with scene and Mm -hmm. um you know that's something that definitely um i think it's just that time that time in canada it's definitely that it's been that time in quebec overdue and um you know once again that's what this platform is about and that's what the label is about Mm -hmm. to really give a voice to people who have legitimate talent but who otherwise would be overlooked because there's no platform for Mm -hmm. them right and we might need to be some of the people to help build that platform i direct i make videos so let's let's go film some some young cats <laughs> i'm ready so for um so i think at a point you guys had acquired um hhqc yeah we're still, we're correct still, me if yeah, i'm wrong on, on the site yeah really so we uh we bought it in 2010 yeah for those who don't know hhqc is like the hip-hop canada or the hip-hop dx of quebec it's hot course. new hip-hop of, of quebec right yeah, like pretty much the french yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But it's been around way before all of those. I remember it, it was created in 2004. Wow, I remember. It's been 15 years now, right? Yeah. A website in Quebec about hip hop, 15 years old. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's. I think it, they were even pre World Star. Most so likely, too. I, 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 I think so. they might be pre World Star. So the guy that created the site is this really like savvy tech, tech savvy guy that wanted to help out his boys from Quebec City because so. it was it was created in Quebec City, so. It was before MySpace. Imagine. Wow. So it was really big and was it actually helped a lot of artists from Quebec, you know, reaching out because it, it started before YouTube. So yeah. we, we all this, the videos this was the platform. Yeah, it was a platform. So no, there was no. So YouTube you guys were pre YouTube. Pre YouTube. That's fire. Pre Facebook and all that. So imagine. So it was the it was the number one way to promote rap in in Quebec. Quebec. I think prior to you guys buying it, my label might have done. A couple banners for my second album, The Book of Blessed. Oh, yeah. might have done. Possible, you know, we yeah. were doing Hip Hop Canada and the Americans, yeah. but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I remember. Because Ray Ray had produced a lot of my shit, right. so he was like, yo, maybe you want to like promote yeah. on to the French side. And I, before before Facebook, it was like numbers were crazy. Like, right. So obviously, you know, the kids right now, they promote their music in a different way, so they don't need it as much. Yeah, but it doesn't but, hurt. But yeah, but now hurts. like we, we, we have, you know, as soon as you have some someone full time on something, it's gonna you know create some you know. So right now HHQC is, is doing good. Like we had, I think we're like 150k unique visits per month and all of that. So oh, very good. Yeah, That's it's very, very decent for a small a small community. You know, 
the demographics here in Quebec are so small that it's so right. How many know, people are in Quebec? What is it like? I think it's seven? like eight, seven, eight, eight, eight million. So then divide that in half, and then divide that in eight because who eight. listens to rap? Exactly. There you go. So you take all the people that live their lives in English. Do you know what, bro? <laughs> it's not like it was once upon a time because social media just melts everything together mm -hmm. you know and i think people are more open-minded than they ever were like you think every... people are listening to french rap outside of quebec i don't know well That's a tough all one. over That's a europe they are right all over europe they are and you know the the french are very prideful about french culture locally That's why Dubmatic, when I was a kid, was able to do better numbers than than anybody else winning the Juno. Yeah, they were Dubmatic back in the day were selling more records just in Quebec than the other they groups were selling. Sold 150k of the first album worldwide. Wow. wow. So there's definitely a, a big support for <coughs> French for cool French culture. Right. Yeah. And you something know. different too, right? Like <coughs> some people don't even know the words. Like I've got I've got some crazy I don't know like Eastern European music in my car. That's like It's hip hop, but it's like I don't know what the fuck they're saying. It just sounds hype, you know. I was yeah. listening to it today, so I, I listen to Polish hip hop. That's it. I think that's what because, it is because of Pat, right? Yeah. The song is drag, 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 drag. They keep saying that. And it's poppy, 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 and I'm like, that's all I know. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I've been listening to Polish hip hop for like five years now, well, just because Pat, like we, like you said before, we met through through Pat Sixteen Pads, and yeah. and we actually toured there. Twice. I've been in Poland twice for a tournament. I remember when you guys went out. Yeah. There. The first time with Pat and the second time with Shash. So, yeah, but it's still hip hop, you know, and the flows are crazy. And yeah, I love their music. Different. Very you know, different. Poland was always when, when, uh, when Gangstar would go out and when we would tour in Europe, Poland was always like one of the big stops on any hip hop tour. Hmm. Why American that? shit. They're hip hop fanatics. Thing there. Yeah, it's, it's huge. I would it's say huge. it's, I would say it's outside of, you know, North, like outside of like, U.S. and Canada, I would say it's like France, Germany, Poland, Japan. Like the like those cultures just really, really, really embrace the fuck out of it. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah, and you know, like we were saying earlier, one thing that I, I think a lot of these young cats that really like hip hop um, need to understand, like there's ways of working in this thing without being the artist all the time. Sure, you know? and Most of, most of the time, because I, I, I was a kid, you know, like I started rapping before I started doing the business part. And um, a lot of the kids want to, you know, be the forefront and they want to be under the spotlight. You know? Right. And they, they think the only way to really make it in hip hop is to be the artist. Or, or to make producer. an impact yeah, in hip hop. exactly. But that can't be the case, first of all. No, and don't be afraid to find your lane. Exactly. That's why I decided, me at one point, I was like, I used to love rapping. I really loved it. And I still, I still do it. Like... I drive around, I freestyle in my yeah. car and shit like that. Yeah. But at one point, I was like, I will never be the dopest one. So why would I, you know, continue trying? Like, at one point, you got to be logical and be you like... You got to find your lane within the confines of what you love to do. Exactly. And I was like, I love this this thing, but I'm, I'm never going to be the dopest MC. So I'm just going to help. My boys are way doper than myself. You're a rare and, breed because most I'm, people, their boy gets on and now it's like, Put me on. I'm mm -hmm. next. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And they're yeah, not but, you good. Know, at the end of the day, you know, um, I think that Los understood the power in, in doing it from a business side. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And I don't mean the power, but I meant like that he, that, that, that he could have a, a lot bigger impact on the culture by really using his skills to really like create a big vision. Right. You know, mm -hmm. and everybody, it's all about team. 
nobody does it alone yeah and no artist is just the artist they're yeah. just the one delivering the message at that campaign and that's another big lie and and like pop culture this self-made man mentality yeah they, they like that's it's impossible nobody's mm. self-made no you know you can be a prick and be super egocentric that's one thing but like nobody's self-made especially in music like you need a lot of people around yourself to you succeed five writers mm-hmm. on any major song minimum yeah you got three people on the creative side but imagine all the people working if if you thousand percent if you get big just to have a life you know just to be able to enjoy what you're getting out of this thing you know all this money all this success blah, blah. you need people that just you know just imagine your calendar when you're busy busy it takes hours you know so all, all these kids that think they can make it on their own and they don't need a team and they don't want to, oh, yeah. you know, they don't want to have a, a strong manager. They'd rather, you know, just bring in their friends that don't, don't know shit about music. Blah, blah. That mentality, most of the time, leads nowhere. Exactly. Right. You know, another interesting thing I would see like a lot of, uh, like a lot of cats saying like, oh, you know, I need a manager. I need a label. I need this. I need that. And, I, you know, I always couldn't help but thinking like, are you making $300,000 a year off your music? No. Are you making enough money to even support yourself off? No. Probably not. Well, in order for a serious manager or let alone your friend even mm-hmm. to be able to dedicate their time, you have to pay them a salary. Yeah. Are you making double 50 grand or 30 grand bare minimum salary to pay this person? No. Mm-hmm. So you don't need a manager because you actually can't pay a manager. And so nobody would be interested in managing you just yeah, yet. Yeah. What you need is coaching, guidance. You know what I mean? Somebody like yourself to give them a little OG knowledge. Right. So they could take some Be the dumbest guy in the room for a year. Yeah. And get their <laughs> yeah, numbers yeah, yeah, up yeah, yeah. and do some you know, non-delusional concrete steps to where you could be attractive to somebody who's serious to, to, to dedicate their time like you did. Yeah, totally. And to a, you actually to need a, a manager when there's something to be managed. Bingo. Right? That's right? the point, right? So there's a lot of stuff that you have to do by yourself at the beginning. But once you start, you know, moving, that's when you need help. That's right. And what I was saying before is especially, you know, I'm, I'm directing this this message to the kids that think they can do it everything but it can do everything by themselves and they don't need a team and they don't want to give away a little percentage because they think it's you know it's I'll make I, I'm losing the money and I always yeah. say like you would rather yeah. have hundred percent of a small pie that's right or eighty percent of a huge pie right or ten so, percent of millions versus a hundred percent of debt there you go I'll take one percent there you go and I think right now like in the Montreal scene one of the things that I see is that a lot of these very very talented kids are making huge numbers and you know really catching on momentum and stuff they need that help you know and they 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 need to stop being afraid of like managers or labels or whatever because the the label as we as we knew it like 20 years ago doesn't doesn't exist anymore yeah not the same there's no way in ours and a whole team behind you it's if you're a product we'll help you get on tours that's pretty much the end you know the reality is you shouldn't be scared to give away a percentage because this team is going to make the pie bigger yeah so your percentage will mean more money for you right it's 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 you know i like the uh, lebron mold LeBron knew that he was going to be a big fucking deal and told all his closest boys, you go get a business degree. You go get a marketing yeah, but degree. That, and then but he that, just that, that's the same pieces. thing like we said, Jay-Z is the exception to the ones who make yeah. it out, right? Right. Um, 
you know, LeBron already knew, like... He knew he was going to be he at He was the one before he was the one. The like, money's going to get made, so he's yeah. just like, he could have his mom help and his boy. Right, but you look at Maverick Carter and, and his boys now, and these guys are big agents in... in, in They're big agents because, because. LeBron was going to be LeBron exactly. with or without them, though. Yeah. Fair. And I don't want to shit on them because I don't know their business at all. Correct me if I'm wrong. But LeBron was already a big deal. And I commend him for putting his people in a position of power. Right. Because um, we had on uh, on the last episode uh, my, my, my good friend Pat from Eventco. And he was saying, you know, the way you treat people on the way up <laughs> is the same people you're going to deal with on the way down. And everybody goes up and down. The difference is you want to get back up there. You kept solid relationships with those you didn't, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. step on on the way up. And I and I commend guys like LeBron and guys like Drake that their shit was taking off big time. And instead of going with the big agent and the obvious guy, they put their people in a position mm-hmm. to eat. And those people will really put their heart and soul into your career more so than an agent who has you know Kanye and yeah. and fifty other guys that and, you know then kind of like wherever the deal is sweeter they're gonna put their effort yeah mm-hmm. you know Drake and I we always bring him up put so many producers in a great position and he didn't have to do that because he could have had Pharrell and and Timberland and all these super you know super producers producing from happily yep. But he chose the murder beats and the and even he gave careers to all these guys. But guess what? They actually were dope and they deserved the shot. Yeah. And I think that we have to, um, you know, as Montrealers, as Canadians, continue to be just as prideful as these cats in Atlanta and in New York and in bless Cali are, and put each other in positions of power. Because guess what? If if I get Lemmy in a movie. And his shit pops. <laughs> you know Lemmy's gonna reach back and fuck with me. Yo, do and it. if Los puts Bless in a position where Bless is working with the people he needs to be, you know that I'm gonna break bread with Los. That's gonna be my manager for life. Like, right. And I feel like only now that things are so exposed on social media and with you know platforms like a podcast – are we starting to like realize like, you know, back in the day when they'd interview Puff, everybody was kind of very guarded, you know? They didn't want to let the seat, the, the magic and the secret sauce out. <laughs> yeah. So they'd kind of sit there and do these guarded interviews and be like, well, you know, you know, we came from nothing and you know, we kind of just blew up overnight because, you know, we was the realest ones. It's and not the real answer. Like, mm, you know there's a lot more to that story, yeah. but they didn't want to let it out of the bag. And I think now, you know, we live in such like a reality-based society. Like people are hungry for like, you know, who are these people? What are their struggles? What are they going through? And there's no shame. Mm-hmm. And I think that openness and that vulnerability in the business side of things when it comes to music, that discussion that's a good thing can create totally. yeah. a much better momentum right. than everyone having the mentality of back against the wall in the club when we first started you talking about saying? this project you were you were kind of on the fence because you know one way to present yourself that's true you've been trained a certain way to be blessed the rapper i was media trained yeah in it a took a while like, in, a di- in a different era that's it right and like guys like guru and you know stay away from this and if they try and you know direct the conversation there you know um you know divert or whatever you know but my I'll pick you up. You, you've you've elevated your you. uh, what you're willing to go out on a limb and speak about 
Well, you know, I th- you, don't, you don't mind telling stories. You're great at that. But as far as just like being able to like keep it real and give Be secrets. Open. Be open. Those secrets aren't like, I have a question actually. Sorry, I'm taking it off of you. I'm putting sure, it back sure, on you. Sure. I want to know yeah. something. Yeah, it's fine. If, if someone wanted to get in touch, if someone wanted to get on your team, is that something that doors are open? You'll listen to that? Uh, listen to everything that people okay. send me. Everything. So like- that's another gem. And that's actually what I was just going to say. Great. Our great minds uh, I think, think alike. I think, I think a gem, I think what, if you want to be an influencer, mm-hmm. right, or you want to have a platform, you know, you want people to check out your content and engage, <coughs> you have to give them value, okay? Yeah. And the best value we can give outside of monetarily giving away fucking free shit is giving people knowledge, giving mm-hmm. them a fucking shortcut that yeah. guys like the three of us had to work our asses off for 10 15 years to come to this level of clarity still i got a 12 hour edit when i get home and openness right yeah and i don't just mean by the way grinding i don't think that just grinding gets us to where we need to be i think learning from our mistakes is much more valuable than grinding i totally agree with that totally right grinding grinding is a very macho yeah Thing about like you know like this mentality of always you know always having the, the pedal to the metal yeah it's 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 i think it's the worst thing society can teach a yeah. man because or a woman to, to 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 live by like because it will it, that mentality even even though it's true in a way because uh-huh. you want to grind right uh-huh. but Taking breaks, taking time to reflect, taking time to analyze what you did. Taking time to make sure you're okay and you're happy and healthy spiritually, mentally, and physically. Yeah. And, you know, that's something that, you know, in my own personal life, I found many times in my career, I was going so hard and I was so obsessed with this idea of success Mm -hmm. in the business of music and as an artist that I neglected myself. Same. A yeah, lot. We all same, did, same here, right? Yeah. And that's what you know from from drinking too much, you know, some smoke too much, burning to, the candle at both ends, just yeah. doing too much. To just not even just like on a wellness tip, like never mind the partying and then the abusive lifestyle, mm-hmm. but just eating like shit, shit, eating late, being on the road all the time, and you know there was no blueprint mm-hmm. to become a grown ass man mm-hmm. in hip hop. Right. There was no and grown man at the time. There was no grown man who survived. <laughs> <laughs> Our parents thought we were retards. Right. And then like the ones older than us were all like dead or in jail. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if they were, you know, really keeping it real, they were gang banging. Yeah. Or they were becoming, you know, too old and not relevant to 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 you know what I mean? And I think and they that, definitely weren't sharing their secrets. And I uh, definitely not. And I think that hip hop has grown as a culture as a demographic there's no more age bracket like there's no saying dudes are not hip-hop who are 45 or 50 your fucking favorite rapper is damn near 50 right mm-hmm. i think this yeah, podcast yeah. era has changed a lot too. that never happened when we were kids oh. our favorite rapper was not fucking 50 when we were kids yeah and look at these guys now they're all you know they take care of themselves they and they look great they, they look great and they, you know they, you don't after see all these years that's it they, they they take on a different route. Like they, they'll be so, like, yo, now I'm healthy. So now I work out. Because not, good. Because no, Dre. When you saw Dre with the tight shirt and the muscles, because like Dre, ago, everyone was like, What the fuck? But we should talk more about that Dre than how much weed he smoked on the chronic right, right. and <laughs> which which gangs he used to chill Gucci with in Man. the death row. Gucci means the Gucci. perfect example. Perfect example. 
It's go, go, go. Amazing. Like, actually, Beautiful I, find example. It, I find it totally inspiring because his career was, he, he had a great career before he went to jail, right? But he had he a went, severe drug problem, self-admitted. He was totally... Derailing. Yeah. And when he came out, like, everything's going so, you know. He's on the I cover mean, of GQ. Like, this man, he, I, I look up to him now as, like, an older brother that... I like saw do some dirt and now he like figured it out. But can yeah. I ask you, Lemmy? The don't music you, I don't care about anymore. Don't you feel <laughs> don't you feel like these are the role models that we need to champion? These are the stories we need to promote and sensationalize. We have Instead great of going models. for the cheap view and the clickbait of the six nine. How many times can we talk about no, no. six nine and the catastrophe of a train wreck yeah. that he did? Right, and the only reason that happened, and this is something that when we first started doing the podcast, we were talking about before the case and all the drama mm -hmm. unfolded, was I said, remember, there's no way this can last. Not even a year, I predicted. Do you right. remember right. that? Right, no, hundred percent. And it wasn't because I'm a genius or a psychic. It's because I've seen people crash and burn. The one trick pony that was based solely on hype. And yeah, but imagine the, the, the way I see it. It's I see a kid. I saw a kid misguided. Uh, yeah, totally misguided. Totally like, misguided. There was no loss, and ha the, the kid was having fun. Yeah, I mean, you, you're getting all this attention, you're getting all this paper, and you know, he 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 looked like a nice kid. He he is and, he is you know? probably a nice kid. He's probably a smart kid. The problem is, is that the culture has become so perverse and so twisted, where like we need to make a statement as a culture to be like, yo, it's not cool to throw your life away. Mm -hmm. It's not cool to rap badly on purpose, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. It's cool, and I'm not talking about being lyrical or bars, I ain't yeah. talking about none of that cliche conversation. Yeah. I'm talking about we should aspire to take care of ourselves, to better 100%. ourselves like Gucci did, to fucking marry the girl who held you down wow. when you were in a fucked she up made phase. Him, she made him all kinds of money. When too. you were in a fucked up phase, that woman held you down, you held her down. Yeah. Bravo. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Jay-Z using his stature and his money to help Meek Mill, to help Wayne. 21 Savage. You know, there was also no fucking, um, uh, no union for, for hip-hop artists. There was no fallback. There right. was no uh, pension. There was no benefits. Mm -hmm. You know, and we need, as a culture, to be like, yo, if the kids want to drink lean, that's no different from, you know, our parents' hippie era. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. okay. Drugs are going to be there. That's cool. Yeah. But we need to have a different discussion. Like, do you want to live and be healthy and continue to have a dope life as an adult and still be hip-hop as fuck? And what does that look can like? I, can I tell you my favorite of that? What does that look like? I'll tell you who that is. The, we need that, to figure it out. Who you're describing embodies one of my favorite people in hip-hop right now. And not even one of my favorites back in the day. Up there, but right now, I'd say he's in my top three uh, personalities, is Noriega. Mm. Nori switched Nori. lanes. And this is a shooter from like the block who actually had the best turnaround in the last couple of years Bro, with the drink champs. You forget yeah. about Fat Joe. Countlessly reinvented himself. Right? Yeah. That's Joe, another one. Uh, Guru used to tell me stories when I was a little kid. Same cloth. How, Joe and Nori. How Fat Joe used to take Guru around New York and how Fat Joe was already super well respected in the streets even prior to anybody 
you know, hearing about him as a rapper. Mm -hmm. And he was able to reinvent himself and has a beautiful family yeah. and is still financially successful and still stylish and is by no means old school. So these guys are trailblazing yeah. at the stage 100%. they're at, you know? Yeah. And this should be promoted to these cats coming up. Mm -hmm. And that should be their goal. Yeah. To survive, to make some fucking dope art and some impact on the culture and to still be here at the end of it to enjoy it. And we've all, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, taken part in our own, you know, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, in our own recklessness. Just because we were taught that that's how you are hip-hop. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? That's hip-hop. Yeah. And it's beautiful to see all these grown guys now that like, go to from Luda, T.I., mm -hmm. Jay, Ross, Fat Joe, who else? Name it. Like they, so these they, are grown-ups. They're, they're grown-ups. That... They're, they're really bringing this new approach to being successful. That's right. You know? And I look forward. Not and spending I... your money, spending your money wisely. Doing Black the right excellence health. is Absolutely. what they keep saying. Black excellence. I love that line. Puffy uses it. Uh, Constantly, black excellence, and it's just like it's almost like an exclusive club positive, of grown men that are doing good, you know. But it, yeah. it, 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 I think, I think it's it's about positive affirmations. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And and changing the narrative that you know all brothers, you know, need to need to be like super gangster and super tough guys. No, that, or, the they're, whole, or they're not relevant in hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and beyond and be and beyond black excellence or anything like that, just like hip hop as a culture. You know, hip hop's growing up. We all want to have a life, and we all still love the shit. Yeah. 100%. So what's that middle ground where we don't need to be fucking fat alcoholics? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or still smoking hella weed like you're at, like you're at, you know a high school kid. You know, it's cool to be a father and run a label. Mm -hmm. It's cool to be a positive a, person a in society. Great person in society and yeah. make fire music. And throw some fucking opportunities to people who deserve it around you. So, you know, I hope we can continue this discussion. Anytime, and bro. <laughs> uh, definitely, man, salute to everything you've done, you know, for the, for the you, French bro. scene. Really everything it, you guys are doing in Quebec. Thank you for being on the show. Where, where can we get in touch? I'm a young artist and I want to I holler. Where do we get in touch? Uh, I think the best way is through uh, Facebook or IG. Joyride Records. Joyride Records. Joyride Records. Yeah. Exactly. We're gonna sign off like that on a high note. Your boy Bless, my co host, let me know. The one and only Los, Joyride Records in the building. Thank you once again for That's being a, a part of it. Yeah.